Hello, hello everyone. Good morning to you. Happy Monday. Charlie Arnold here. I'll kick the morning starting right now. Oh, we know who's going to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 58, set in stone. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers. The Super Bowl matchup that I would say most people, <clears throat> I don't want to say they weren't looking forward to it, but people have their reasons. Uh, I mean, but what can you say? Just looking at the Chiefs, I mean, they are just spectacular. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, as a starter, this is his fifth time going to the Super Bowl in his six years as a starter. So, I mean, hats off to the Chiefs. They completely earned it, completely outplayed the Ravens. The Ravens really didn't do much of anything. Uh, and then the Niners came back with a vengeance. They were down 17 points, came storming back, and now here they are Super Bowl bound. So, hopefully we'll have a really good game on our hands. Lots of red will be in the stand. So, uh, if you're going to the Super Bowl, if you're going to a Super Bowl party and don't know what to wear, just wear red. You'll be safe. You can pretend like you're cheering for whatever team ends up winning. Uh, and that'll be a happy ending for all, right? Um, okay, but before we get into any more of the game, I actually have a guest uh, who can shed a little bit more light so you just don't have to hear me talk uh, for minutes on end about this. Let's bring in Brandon Seiler, former Chargers and Chiefs linebacker. He played five seasons in the NFL, four of those with the Chargers, one with the Chiefs. And actually, he has a great quote in his bio on Instagram, which I'll bring up for first and foremost, an entrepreneur who just happened to play sports. So let's bring him in, Brandon Seiler, former NFL player, entrepreneur, author, and keynote speaker. Brandon, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Charlie. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's get right into it. Uh, you obviously have an allegiance to the Chiefs, having played as a linebacker for them for a season. What do you think about the Super Bowl matchup we have on our hands? You know, all year, everybody was talking about the Chiefs and how bad they was. You know, receivers was dropping balls left and right. Um, and I kind of was like, listen, everybody settle down. Like, we've been here before. So as long as you got Patrick Mahomes with that ball in his hand 85% of the time, and he's the best player in the league, you always got a chance. So the Chiefs are right where they're supposed to be. Uh, and I predict that we take home another championship. Okay, okay. We have a, already a, a prediction on our hands. The Chiefs yeah. win again. This, And I, I, I believe this would make them, if they do win, uh, I think this would make them back-to-back -back champs for the first time in, or the, I think they would be the ninth team in history to ever be back-to-back. -back. So that would be, um, you know, pretty special for them. Yeah. Okay, so, what's that? No, I said they'll make history. <laughs> yeah, they will definitely make history. Um, you know, you talk about how everyone earlier in the season was uh, just not on board with the Chiefs, the product they were putting together, dropping balls, inconsistent, whatever the case is. Just they didn't look like the Chiefs team that we had seen in the past. And people started having their doubts. But really, they truly saved their best work for the postseason. They looked spectacular in the postseason. This was the Chiefs team we knew and were familiar with. And I think that's what's important because you talk about so many teams who get hot at the right time, and that's exactly what the Chiefs did. Yeah, I think it was important to understand that they've been there and they've done it before. Like the new teams, you see them and they're hot early in the season and you think, oh, they're probably going to be the best team in the league. They're going to win a Super Bowl. But if they haven't done it before – then they don't understand the importance mm -hmm. of hitting your stride when you're entering into the playoffs and playing your best football at the end of the season. 
right? They give it all that they got at the beginning and they kind of give out. The other thing that's important to understand from a football aspect is when you are given everything that you have at the beginning of the season, teams are scheming up for you and they're understanding what you do. You build tendencies. Those tendencies later on in the season and in the playoffs, people exploit and they're able to beat you. But the Chiefs, is, they don't have that problem because they understand that they have to do tendency breakers and do things differently than they did them in, uh, in the beginning of the season. Uh, an interesting fact, the Chiefs became the first team to not score in the second half of a conference championship to advance. So, I mean, they did enough in the first half and, they, and the Ravens didn't do anything in, in the second half, so they didn't even have to score a single point. Um, very interesting fact there. Okay, so let's also talk about the other side. San Francisco moving on after defeating the Detroit Lions. And listen, the Niners certainly earned their win. I'm not going to knock them. But there were a lot of people out there that wanted to see the Lions advance to the Super Bowl because storylines, right? The, the Lions have been waiting, waiting so patiently for so many years for them to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, just the fact they got this far in the postseason is something to be recognized and, and commended. But what were you hoping was going to be the outcome in that game? I most certainly was going for the underdog in that one. I mean, I believed in the storyline, too. I believed in uh, doing it for the city and them ultimately reaching a goal. I mean, everybody's got to be proud of what they accomplished. I mean, from the last two seasons, um, how many games they won and then actually tying a franchise best this season, uh, you got to be proud. But, yeah, I wanted I wanted the uh, underdog story, too, until they got to the Super Bowl, and then my Chiefs kind of put them in their place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, as long as the Chiefs come out on top, I don't care what else ultimately happens. Um, but the Niners did something very special. Uh, we talked about what the Chiefs did. You know, they didn't have to score a single point. The Niners, they did the opposite. They became the first team in NFL history in 114 games to erase a 17-point deficit by the start of the fourth quarter. And a lot of people weren't expecting that. I actually was on my timeline. I was on X scrolling and a lot of people were like, you know, statistically, the numbers are saying that the Lions have this in the bag. And then next thing you know, you have people that are coming back and they are walking it back. They're like, wait a second. Sorry. Sorry for my earlier tweet. Uh, actually, the numbers lied and it is happening. It looks like the Niners are actually going to win the game. <laughs> well, it's crazy because for me, I watched my Chiefs. Um, and then I went to an Orlando Magic game and I kind of watched the first half. <laughs> on the TV screen and it was halftime when we left the magic game. And I was like, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty sealed up. Um, and then when I got back to the house, uh, my son started screaming like, dad, dad, they kept, they coming back. They coming back. And I'm like, I can't believe they came back and made this a game. And I had to actually like go back and rewatch and see like what exactly happened. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. I mean, it was definitely not something people expected after seeing the trajectory of the first half of that game. Um, what does it feel like as a player? I mean, because I'll just read you a quote from Lions head coach Dan Campbell after the loss. He said, quote, sometimes you can only say so much. We have to live it, unfortunately. You got to get your heart ripped out, which we did. It's a lesson learned. Look, I told these guys this may have been our only shot. Do I think that? No. 
Do I believe that? No. However, I know how hard it is to get here. So Brandon, putting yourself back into the shoes of when you were a player, every game is important, but to get this far, to be this close to tasting what it feels like to be in the Super Bowl and doing something so huge for your fan base, like we already mentioned, was just something that, you know, doing it for your city, this was truly what the Lions were doing. What does it feel like to get so close, but ultimately not reach the level of success that you were hoping to? You know, at first it's heartbreaking, right? It's like, that was our shot. If I just would have did that one thing, I could have ultimately played in the games I've dreamed about my whole life. So at first it's heartbreaking, but when you go back and you look back at the film and you see those opportunities that you missed, you now know that you're capable, right? You now know that, look, I can get back there. And we did leave stuff out there on the field and we're capable of getting back and going even further the next time. Um, and, and it happens, right? Like you tell people before, like, this is our only shot. It could be our only shot. Right. But then you look up and you say, wait, San Fran's back in the Super Bowl again this year. Right. So now they got another shot and they understand that we went through something last year. We saw it last year. We're able to get back. We made our corrections. We just don't have a cure for Patrick Mahomes. That's what they're going to realize uh, a couple Sundays from now. I, I like that. We do not have a cure for Patrick Mahomes. That is probably the most true statement I have ever heard in my life. Um, he's an he's a incredible, fantastic player, and you're right. There is no cure for him, and I don't imagine there's going to be a cure for Patrick Mahomes for a very, very long time. Um, okay, so obviously John Harbaugh, his team knocked out with the Ravens, you know, eliminated from, from playoff contention, no Super Bowl for them. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh has a really amazing opportunity on his hands coming up, new head coach of the Chargers. So as a former Charger, how do you feel about this one? I'm excited about the change um, in the organization. I'm excited that uh, you get a big-name coach. I think that, and I thought that it would take a big-name coach to kind of get things, like, turned around and rolling um, in, the in the Chargers culture. Uh, so I'm excited about it. You know, it will be good to – root on two teams, you know, in the playoffs every year uh, instead of riding my Chiefs out, you know? <laughs> uh, absolutely. And what's it like? I mean, because you, you have just such a pulse on what it's like to be an NFL player these days, not because you are a player yourself, but you're an agent now. Uh, you founded your own company, Legacy Pro Sports. So what are, what are kind of the emotions that are surrounding the NFL right now as far as, like, how players think, how things are different from when you were a player? Um, I think it's different in a few different ways. I think that uh, ultimately we were like warriors, like savages uh, back when I played, right? Two of days were long um, and it was kind of the beat you into the ground mentality, both physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. I think nowadays um, they're trying to take care of the guys a little bit more physically and understanding that mental health is a real thing that's out there. Like it's something that really exists even amongst the strongest, toughest guys in the world. So uh, mental health is 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 huge now. Um, I think players uh, understand that um, and ultimately try to do things to work on not just themselves physically, but themselves mentally as they go through the sport. So I think that was probably one of the biggest biggest changes from when I played into now. 
Yeah, and that's a really good point is, I mean, I think a lot of professions now are paying a lot more attention to the mental health of the people who work for them uh, because it is so important. And unfortunately, uh, I, I, I guess the shoulder was turned to mental health for such a long time uh, that people weren't recognizing what people were going through, uh, you know, especially athletes who have so much attention on them, so much pressure on their shoulders on a daily basis. So I think this is fantastic uh, because something else you're you're working on. I mean, aside from Legacy Pro Sports, which I'm reading, you know, provides assistance, uh, including line of duty, total and permanent neurocogn- neurocognitive disability. Uh, that's in- that's incredible. But you also started what you've called Pure Recovery California, state of the art mental health treatment center, holistic approach to recovery, and you have so many cutting edge types of therapy that you're offering. When was it that you realized? I mean, aside from just recognizing like the daily ins and outs of, of what's needed to protect people's mental health, but that there needed to be something deeper. Like when did you realize that? And when did you decide to start this treatment center and an organization? Well, I realized it uh, very early on um, because I had a traumatic thing that happened to me. Javon Belcher was my teammate in Kansas city when he shot himself um, in the head in front of the facility. Um, and I was there when that happened. So um, I went and kind of fell out of love with football right after that, retired mm-hmm. and had my battle with mental health. Um, and it wasn't until I realized that it was actually things out there that can help you. So we treat guys at our rehab facility now for uh, anxiety, depression, substance abuse, bipolarness, PTSD, uh, neurocognitive issues. Um, we treat guys for everything. Um, and it's a place where athletes can go and be amongst other athletes and really um, have a locker room type experience uh, to treatment. So, um, yeah, that's why I ultimately um, uh, got the facility and provided this services for players because it was a it was a need. It was something that I felt like in mm-hmm. uh in our industry was lacking. So now they have a place that they can go and get this treatment amongst their brothers. So you retired immediately after the death of Javon Belcher. I mean, that was a wake up call for you to, I I guess you had already maybe been internalizing a lot that you were feeling. And this was just the straw that broke the camel's back for you as far as wanting to continue playing in the NFL. Yeah. It's ultimately the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, I have a, a bunch of teammates, uh, which is sad to say, I have a bunch of teammates that I've had throughout my time, a bunch of teammates and friends that have lost their lives to mental health, right? I was I was friends with Junior Seah. Um, I was teammates with Shane Olivier. I was teammates with Vincent Jackson. He also was a client. Um, so when, you, when you're so close to it, you understand what kind of problem exists out there. Um, and I'm the type of guy that like, I can't just sit back and watch it. I have to step up and do something about it. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Um, and you're getting your PhD this spring and what exactly is that focusing on? Um, it's in business, right? So I've already, Oh, it's in business. um, Okay. Yeah. I graduated from Florida with honors. Um, I went and got my MBA. Uh, I got a business certificate from Harvard two from MIT, another one from Yale, another one from Wharton Business School, and uh, in five classes, wow. Dr. Dr. King Kong, I guess you could say. King Kong's my nickname. So, Oh, my King gosh. 
That is incredible. Wow. So we have a, uh, we've got brains and brawn on our hands. That's, that's something to be very proud of. Um, back to the mental health stuff. Have you ever gotten in touch with Jay Glazer? Uh, no, I haven't. I'm going to put you guys in touch. So he uh, is very big. You know, Jay Glazer, he's the, the NFL insider for Fox Sports. Okay. Yep. You're familiar with him? He's a very yeah, good friend of mine. Yeah. He helped to, he helped to found a group called Merging Vets and Players, um, which takes former, you know, you know, veterans, even some active military, and uh, who are suffering from PTSD. And then he takes players who are suffering from also PTSD or are having mental health issues because obviously there's a lot of similarities, right? You're both, you know, out there with your teams, uh, right. fighting for something, a lot mm -hmm. of stressful situations, uh, a lot of emotional and mental damage takes place along the way. So what he did was he created something where he brought them together and, and allowed them to share their stories. And it was really life-saving in so many different instances. He prevented lots of deaths from occurring. Um, a lot of people who had talked about, you know, maybe potentially wanting to commit suicide or end their lives, uh, he was able to help save them and create something very special. Um, I'm going to put you guys in touch because I think you could learn a lot from each other um, since you're both so passionate about the space. And um, he's still very passionate. He has a mental health podcast that he does on a weekly basis. So um, I'm going to make that happen if you're okay with it. Yeah, for sure. Because we've already been talking about expanding um, out to military, vet, uh, military vets and um, first responders. So uh, we're, we're going to expand into that network. So maybe your connection helps uh, expedite that process. That would be wonderful. Always here to help. Well, Brandon, I so appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, talking football, we're not done. We still got some, some little things to hit here and there. Uh, specifically, uh, one of the guys on the Chiefs team who we've been talking about all season long for a myriad of different reasons, uh, but last night he really showed out. So let's go ahead and bring in Amber Harding to get a jump start on the Super Bowl conversation and uh, some of the details from last night. Amber, hello, good morning, you're wearing your red. Are you cheering for the Chiefs or the Niners with that shirt on? I'm, I'm going with the Niners. I, I, I think you know how I feel about the Kansas City Chiefs and it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. I think that like a lot of people don't didn't want them to go to the Super Bowl because they are tired of all the Taylor talk. Taylor doesn't bother me at all. I am just so tired of seeing the same team win over and over and over again. It just feels like I, during Dynasty. <laughs> I just I'm just tired of it. <laughs> I am with you. I legitimately was like, oh, this is my third. This is my third game I will have ever gone to. And it's. Every time it's been the Chiefs, I'm like, listen, I just want to watch some different teams play. That's it. That's all I want. Um, so, you know, here we are, though. Chiefs Niners is a uh, throwback to several years ago. We just saw them. I think it was four or so years ago that they were in the Super Bowl together. So, um, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We're going to be fine. Um, but but Lions fans aren't fine, Amber. They're they're truly not fine this morning. And they probably weren't fine last night after the game. This is, they were so close. It's like they could almost taste it. And then it was, you know, another letdown. Although not the same letdown that they've endured in many years past. I mean, the fact that they even got to the NFC Championship game 
something to be very proud of, but they were up by 17 points. I mean, statistically speaking, they should not have lost that game, and they just collapsed. The Niners, on the other hand, got hot, went on a run. I mean, you've got a feel for Lions fans this morning. Yeah, absolutely devastated. As a Dolphins fan, I I know what decades of misery feels like. Um, I mean, at least the Dolphins have Super Bowl appearances. Granted, that was before I was born, so it's not like I've gotten to enjoy that. But I I feel their pain. And then yesterday, I I, I told I told my husband we were sitting there watching the game, and there was a point when the Lions went up um, that would when they were at three touchdowns or whatever it was, and Gardner Johnson starts waving goodbye to the fans, to the Niners fans. And I said, that's not good. (laughs) That's going to come back and haunt them. Yeah, uh, and it did. So so now here we are watching. Now here, yeah, so here we are with the, you know, the Chiefs, Niners in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, I mean, we've got to give them credit where it's due, although we didn't want to see it. They were the best team by far on the field. And Travis Kelsey, Amber, I mean, we can knock them all we want, right? We can say whatever, people can say whatever they want about him and Taylor, but he was the, I mean, all postseason long, he has been outrageously good. Uh, And last night, he recorded his eighth 100-yard playoff game, perfect, 11 for 11 on his targeted passes, including the Chiefs' first, first touchdown, which was for 116 yards, I mean, he just set an NFL record for postseason catches with 152, breaking the previous one held by Jerry Rice. And he had said before the game, Amber, that he wanted to win this game, and he wanted this one more than anyone he's ever wanted in his life. Yeah, Why do you think think he wanted this one more than anyone he's ever wanted in his life? (laughs) Yeah, well, when I first saw that, I was like, what are you talking about? You already have two Super Bowl rings. Like, why is this one so special? But I really think it was personal for Travis because of all the heat he took this year. Um, You know, it started with the Mr. Pfizer stuff and his kind of like fun little duel with Aaron Rodgers. And then it turned into everybody getting sick about hearing or sick of hearing about his girlfriend. Um, And then, um, you know, when he struggled a little bit back when the Chiefs were were struggling, at least as much as the Chiefs can struggle, um, a lot of people were saying he needed to retire, that he was washed up, that he was old. So I think this was really personal for him. And I mean, I got to hand it to him as much as as much as I don't like the Chiefs. um, He he really he showed out yesterday. I mean, he proved, hey, I'm here and I'm not washed up and I'm ready to go. He's not washed up. He's also booed up like in the most, you know, sensational way possible. And we saw what happened after the game. Let's roll the video of uh, his little reunion on the field with Taylor Swift. I mean, you can see them like cuddling, canoodling, a little kiss. There was also a a cute moment between Taylor Swift and Andy Reid when they both pointed at each other. We can we can take this off the loop now. Um, Amber, I don't know if you saw it. They were like pointing at each other. Uh, Andy Reid was on the podium and she was down here and they're like, oh, I see you. It's like, I mean, the connection is real at this point. Uh, It's all love between Taylor Swift and the Chiefs organization, especially all love between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Okay, time to hypothesize, Amber. You know we love to hypothesize on the show. Does Travis Kelsey take a knee on the field after winning the Super Bowl? 
Does it happen? You know, I, I I saw I saw somebody say that yesterday, and I thought, oh my gosh, if if anything has ever broken the internet before, that one would break the internet. But I mean, at the same time, I don't know. I'm who am I to judge anybody's relationship? But as far as we know, they've only been dating since like August or September. That's really quick engagement, if that is the case. Uh, but again, who am I to judge anybody else? Um, so I don't know. I I think that might be a little quick. But it would certainly it would certainly be the biggest headline of the year. And it's it's only January, but it would be the biggest headline of the year for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely would be a huge headline. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen in like that. I think that would feel too contrived and like, I don't know. I just don't I feel like it needs to be something a little bit more intimate in I mean, I won't say it's not romantic to get proposed to on the field after your boyfriend wins the Super Bowl. Like, I'll take it, right? But um, yeah, probably for them too, because they are so much in front of the camera, the media, it needs to be a little bit more of an intimate setting. And, and probably you're right, a little too rushed, uh, I would definitely say. Well, anyways, um, Super Bowl locked in. We know what's going to happen. Uh, taking place now in what, like, Two weeks, yeah, because we've got the weekend off, so about a little less than two weeks uh, from yesterday, or no, two weeks from yesterday, and as of right now, the cheapest ticket to the Super Bowl, Amber, 9864 with fees. So not a cheap ticket. We knew it wasn't going to be, uh, but, yep, that's it. We're, we're ready to go. Super Bowl 58, let's go. Uh, okay, moving on now to another topic outside of football. Uh, yesterday, Donald Trump got, or over the weekend, rather, Donald Trump got a pretty tremendous endorsement from someone he probably wasn't expecting one from, and this would be from Snoop Dogg, the rapper, yes. Uh, he went on to say, Donald Trump, he ain't done nothing wrong to me. He has only done great things for me. He pardoned Michael Harris, so I have nothing but love and respect for Donald Trump. And for people who are unaware of who Michael Harris is, that is the co-founder of Snoop's first label, uh, so he was pardoned, but we also need to recognize this statement is a complete 180 uh, because back in 2017, Snoop Dogg made a music video in which he appeared to have shot Trump in. So, you know, from essentially wishing death onto Trump to now endorsing him, very big, very big flip-flop, uh, but one that I personally am not mad at and I think a lot of people can understand Uh judging by what we're going through and dealing with right now as a country. But Amber, in your opinion, how big of a deal is this endorsement? I love I love the move from Trump because it was like, I mean, he knew all the stuff that Snoop was doing because um, the music video was just one thing. You know, he also did the thing where he stood outside the White House with a blunt and said, F the president, that sort of thing. So like, <laughs> Donald Trump knew all this. And then just on his way out the door in January 2021, he pardons the guy that had been in prison for 30 years that Snoop had been rallying to get out of there. So it was like he almost killed him with kindness. Right. He was like, you know, I know how you feel about me, so I'm going to do this for you. Um, and it, it Snoop essentially changed course after that. He stopped with all of his criticism of Trump. <laughs> and maybe he realized, maybe he realized that, uh, hey, things aren't great under Biden. But, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt. The celebrity endorsement doesn't hurt. The Republicans could use more of that. I saw a poll, not to bring it back to Taylor Swift, but I did see a poll over the weekend that said- um, Yes, seven, I saw this. Yes, 18%, sorry, 18% of voters said they are more likely to vote for a candidate if Taylor Swift endorses them. 
which is mind-blowingly stupid to me that people are making these decisions based on what their celebrities, their favorite celebrities think, but apparently people do. So if people are big fans of Snoop Dogg, maybe that'll bring them over to Team Trump. Well, Amber, you know, I think we shouldn't give people too much credit. We do have a lot of stupid people that we're surrounded by, you know? It's just <laughs> unfortunate, but it's the truth. Not everyone is uh, able to think for themselves or has, like, the intelligence, the EQ, the IQ uh, to make their own decisions. So, I mean, if it takes a celebrity, then we just need to get a lot of celebrities circling around Trump at this point uh, because there's a lot of Taylor Swift fans out there, a lot of Taylor Swift fans. And if they're going to get a fifth of voters that are their fans to to vote in the lane that they want them to, then, um, yeah, we're going to need more than Snoop Dogg, I believe. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's, yeah, let's talk about some of the other nonsense that's been circulating the internet recently. Uh, Alyssa Milano, famous actress, worth millions of dollars. She put out a tweet asking people to support her kids' baseball teams or tournaments, rather, GoFundMe, uh, because there's a travel tournament that they're looking to attend in Cooperstown, New York. And she's asking other people to help to pay for them to make this trip and all of the other items that come along with it, jerseys, helmets, you know, whatever the case might be. And she was absolutely slammed for it, as, you know, I guess you would expect her to be, because she has all this money. And now, while I do not think that she single-handedly should be responsible for taking care of all of the costs for the team to make this trip. I don't think no matter how much money you have, you should be responsible. Um, I also think that people are really struggling right now. I mean, people are struggling to pay for their own kids' costs and responsibilities. So the fact that she would go out and ask people, hey, on top of all the struggles you already have, please help my kids' team go to Cooperstown, New York, is absolutely tone deaf. And this is recognized very early on by OutKick founder Clay Travis, who made a very nice donation of $700, almost $800 to Alyssa Milano's kids team. And he said that he was happy to make this donation, but in return, he asked that the kids wear MAGA hats for the tournament, which, listen, we talk about getting support for Trump. Alyssa Milano's whole kids team wearing these hats, might not be so bad, but Amber, you know, like being realistic, what do you what do you make of Alyssa Milano asking people to donate money so her kid can go play in a baseball tournament? It's entirely tone deaf. And when when I got word that Clay was doing that, I, I was just like, this is the most perfect troll of all time. Um, of course, they're not going to wear those MAGA hats, but then. I actually wrote the story for that for Outkick and Clay sent me a quote. He said, make sure you tell people that I know that even Hollywood elites are struggling thanks to Bidenomics. So I'm just really happy that I can do my part. Um, so I thought that was amazing. But, you know, here, like you said, Alyssa shouldn't be in charge of paying for absolutely everything for everybody's kid on the team. I agree with that. But there's nothing wrong with kids doing fundraisers, even rich kids. 
But the whole point is that the kids are supposed to raise the funds. Like back when I was doing youth sports and Charlie, you can probably relate. We used to do car washes or bake sales or whatever it was that we needed to do to kind of earn what we, what it was we wanted, but just using your, your millionaire mom to send out panhandling essentially to her 3.4 million Twitter followers. That's not teaching these kids anything. That's not, there's no value to that. It's just like, Hey, whenever I need something, my mom can just ask her followers. Yeah, that's actually such a good point. I love that. And you just made me really happy because you reminded me of bake sales and (laughs) bake sales were the best growing up because everyone would bring in the best treats And they were cheap. They were like 50 cents or a dollar. I mean, I don't really understand how we were like raising so much money by doing these, but it it didn't matter. It was so much fun. It it definitely did teach you, like you're mentioning, uh, what it means to have to pay for something and earn it instead of, you know, I guess nowadays, you just put it out on the internet, snap of the finger, kids, we're going to Cooperstown. Uh, Okay, finally, talking about teaching kids you know, what's appropriate and what's not. Amber, I cannot deal with the climate crazies. Like, they are just driving me out of my mind. They are so entitled to think that just because they believe that climate change exists, A, and B, that everybody needs to get on board with their agenda and that they were, they'll get people on board with their agenda by destroying public property and, and causing scenes is just beyond me. Uh, this this past in the past couple of days, we saw two climate protesters go to the Louvre and throw canned soup on the Mona Lisa. Now, thank goodness, the Mona Lisa is covered by protective glass. Uh, this is for many reasons, not just because they were expecting these weirdos to come out of the woodwork, but also because like the light can damage the painting, and they just you know they've got all these safeguards in place. What is it going to take? To, to put an end to this insanity, Amber, because not only is it just creating a mess and like, you know, soups all over the wall, but all of the people that come from all over the world to come see the Mona Lisa, to visit the Louvre, and now they have to deal with this. What's it going to take? Yeah. Congratulations, guys. You really, you really did something there. Um, I, that's, I think these people just <laughs> failed the basic rules of persuasion um, because you're not going to get people on your side by destroying priceless works of art, stopping traffic, gluing yourself to concrete. That's not going to change anyone's mind. It's just going to irritate everyone. Um, now, this is my little conspiracy here. I am not convinced that these museums aren't in on it too, because I've seen so many videos, not just this soup thing that happened over the weekend, but I've seen the people throw oil on paintings, cake frosting, like pretty much you name it. There's been so many ways that these climate protesters have tried to deface these priceless works of art. And I looked it up. There are metal metal detectors, like a whole security checkpoint, almost like an airport to even get into the Louvre. So you are just, you're simply not going to convince me that somebody walked in with several cans of soup and and just wasn't stopped. Like nobody nobody questioned that. There's just there's absolutely no way that somehow somebody at the museum was not in on that. <sighs> That's a really good point. I was just trying to rack my brain because I was just at the Louvre, you know, maybe like a year or so ago. And I'm trying to recall if I walked through a metal detector. I just remember it being madness. Like people were just once you got in, you were just um 
but there probably would be. I mean, what if someone brought a gun or something? I mean, there would have to be, there has to be some type of, I mean, you would think. Um, so yes, you're right. And I could imagine this would be good PR, right? Oh my God, look what happened at the Louvre. Now suddenly everyone's talking about the Louvre. Uh, so yes, maybe correct. But I just, I just find it to be ridiculous. Uh, one of the crazed activists shouted out, what is more important, art or the right to have a healthy and sustainable food system? And I'm like, I'm sorry. These two things do not go hand in hand. They're not comparable. We should not be choosing one or the other. You can have art and also a healthy and sustainable food system, which by the way, the healthy and sustainable food system that these climate crazies are pushing is not healthy or sustainable. Uh, they're just crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Like veganism has actually been proven to do more damage to the planet than a very healthy carnivore, carnivore, you know the word I'm trying to say, carnivore diet. So, uh, I just, I just would like to tell them to shut up, please, and thank you. Uh, Amber, also, I'd like to tell you, please, and thank you, please uh, come back soon. And also, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely, anytime. Okay, everyone, we have one last story before we let you go. Y'all know I love the gym. I've been a passionate gym goer for a long time now. Uh, but one thing I do not make a habit of doing is filming myself while I'm at the gym because... I like to work out. That's why I'm there. I don't have time to set up a camera to film myself. It just, it's a lot, okay? But there are a lot of people who do make this a habit of theirs. And now not only are they making it a habit, but they're shaming everybody around them when they decide to film themselves at the gym. So let's take a look at a recent video of one gym goer who decided to film herself and then shame everyone around her. Watch. This is how to not approach girls at the gym. I hate this. I hate this. I hate when they're sweeties. It's so uncomfortable. Feral, 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 feral. Like fucking feral. For five ads. Five pounds. And these are the grids. Excuse me? You don't have to do that. It's okay. No, no, it's okay. I got it. Thank you, though. Feral, 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 feral. Shut up. Oh, my God. Also, the stair counter. Why Why do you think that he's just looking at you? I mean, there's probably other things going on at the gym. And also, I'm sorry, but if you're at the gym wearing tiny booty shorts and a tiny sports bra and you're an attractive girl, you're probably going to get stares. And honestly, I don't see what problem you have with that. Isn't the reason you're working out so that you can look good, right? You're probably expecting stares when you wear tiny clothes out to a bar or a club, right? I mean, you're going to get stares. That's just bottom line. I stare at everyone at the gym, whether you are dressed a certain way or not. I just, I just, like to take account for everyone that's at the gym with me. Uh, it's very normal. I'm not even offended when people look at me at the gym. It's a compliment, right? Usually people are looking at you because they see something they like. People have gotten out of hand with this whole thing of filming themselves and then using it as a way to shame people. Uh, this isn't just the one video of this kind. I mean, you see them all over the place. And a lot of times when they're also posting the videos, like this girl's doing hip thrusts. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a hip thrust is, it's when you're putting the bar on your abdomen or on your hips and you're thrusting your hips up in the air, all right? So this is the move she decides to post 
to her social media, right? That's why she's filming it. It's a hip thrust. Not the most conservative of lifts at the gym, right? It it has it has a lot of purpose and it's very effective, but there's probably a reason why she's throwing up the hip thrust on her Instagram and not maybe a simple bicep curl, right? She's looking for likes. She knows how to get them. So what's the problem with this guy staring at you at the gym? Uh, it's outrageous. And a lot of people who are very gym savvy and have quite a bit of a following, like Joey Swole, is realizing how dangerous and harmful this type of behavior from influencers is. He's calling them out. I am the next one to call them out. Let's put an end to it. I don't even think you should be allowed to film in the gym. Or you should have to get consent from every single person who's in your video at the gym if you intend to use it for any other purpose besides your own. Um, like using it just to see your form at the gym. If you intend to post it, you should have to get permission from everybody uh, because it needs to be put to an end, all right? This is not your playground. This is a public space where everyone deserves to do exactly as they want, just as you are. Uh, okay, that is my rant. Thank you for listening. I will be going to the gym later today, and no, I will not be recording myself. Sorry for the people that want to see. Maybe eventually I'll post some workouts today, not the day. Uh, but we've got another show coming up tomorrow, guys. You already know the deal. Uh, every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. So um, we'll see you then. Until we get to that point, follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. That's it. Have a great Monday. Sorry for the Lions fans out there. Sorry for the Ravens fans out there. Better luck next year. See you tomorrow.